0: Welcome to AMBEST Audio. In this ever-changing regulatory environment, it's mandatory that compliance tops an insurer's list of priorities for 2023. According to a recent NAIC report, penalties and fines levied against carriers by state insurance departments totaled over $207 million in 2021. I'm John Weber for AM Best TV, and I'm speaking today to Alistair Yu. Alistair is Senior Vice President of Operations at Rhodes, a provider of insurance technology solutions. Alistair, so glad you could join us today. Thank you, John. Pleasure to be on
1: with you. Thank you for having me.
0: So Alistair, why should compliance be top of mind for insurers in 2023? And what are some of the repercussions for not
1: making compliance a priority? Absolutely, John. That's a really great question. First and foremost, I would say it's an issue of risk and profitability. Insurance companies, they need to make sure that their distribution partners are all properly credentialed. And if they're not, it's the insurance company that has the exposure to binding policies sold by these non-compliant producers. And to that, there's greater complexity in the marketplace today. The industry is changing rapidly, and organizations must be aware of the environmental changes, the market dynamic changes, the regulatory and compliance changes. I mean, we see today we're in the digital era. There's much greater bandwidth in terms of outreach, where I can sell insurance, how I can get insurance, how I can properly find insurance out in the marketplace that's digital, okay? Additionally, the nature of the insurance agent is changing. There's simply more licenses today than there were two years ago or even a year ago. In addition, m is at an all-time high, okay? And if we look at that, those aspects, in addition to the fact that the workplace is changing, the workplace in terms of people that work in compliance are getting older, these are aspects that all insurance companies need to consider when they're considering compliance. These environmental aspects, these operational aspects, and then the fact that the economy is hardening, right? So compliance compliance is really the engine that is going to drive these organizations. And without proper credentialing, without the proper foundation, I would say organizations start at disadvantage when it comes to decision making, when it comes to distribution, and most importantly, when it comes to profitability.
0: So total cost of a compliance is estimated to be something like $3.1 billion. Is that a number that can be reduced given the right technology?
1: Absolutely, John. What we're seeing at Rhodes today is that companies are looking to utilize technology and automation to address the compliance function. And that's what we're getting a lot from our customers and where they're coming to us to get those kinds of aids. I mean, today, if we look at it, there's over 11 million or just about 11 million active licenses out in the marketplace today. And as an industry, just managing these licenses as a workforce is a Herculean task. So by addressing automation, by utilizing technology, companies are seeing how can we be more efficient in our operational processes to make sure that we are compliant and we can relieve some of the stress on our workforce while still finding ways to grow our businesses today.
0: You mentioned automation. Is that something that can solve an aging resource pool?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Automation and technology can be used to address these items. They can be used to address these kinds of routine tasks that compliance teams need to uh, perform, you know, and that will free teams up to look at exception management. What we're seeing is that our customers are being strategic in what they're choosing to automate taking these kind of routine tasks, um, utilizing technology to make those more efficient, and then freeing up their teams to use their existing knowledge base to kind of do exception management. So we're seeing automation saving in terms of not only operational costs, as well as back end costs as well. And it's allowing organizations to do more with what they have in place.
0: Alistair, what are some of the key steps to achieve constant compliance in this ever-changing regulatory
1: environment? I think the first step is recognizing the importance of compliance. I think that's the first step. And recognizing that compliance can, you know, it's not just a cost center, but compliance can be seen as an asset and you can make important gains by having properly uh, credential staff and having proper credential data, I mean we have spoke about the cost of compliance and the risks of not being compliant, but what we're seeing is that organizations are really able to. Take compliance data and really drive down and get some gains from them well in terms of data analytics in terms of review in regards to taking historical data sets. Okay? And finding ways to mine data and to make strategic as well as tactical decisions about how they want to grow internally, as well as how they want to grow their distribution paths.
0: Can you talk to us about best practices garnered from the use of technology and automation?
1: Sure. So one of the best practices we've just seen a lot in our customer base and where we're helping them is in building a profile for a model producer. OK, organizations, they know they want to grow. They want to help and intertwine their compliance function with sales and marketing. They want to know how to recruit. And a lot of this is going to talk about, hey, can I look at my historical data? Can I look at what a producer looks like and who the model producer is based upon what types of licenses, what types of locations have been able to produce the most? Let's build this model in terms of what's the model producer where do we want to go out and how do we want to recruit new distribution path the flip side of that what they're also doing in terms of saving costs is as they're reviewing all this historical data and as they're reviewing policy data they're also able to see who's not producing right and how can i start culling the field so that i'm not spending money in terms of renewing appointments or working with producers that are not up to snuff or not producing for me. So it works both ways. And we're seeing this as a best practice in terms of, hey, how can I take all my data? How can I look at credential data? How can I look at policy data, marry them together, and then make informed decisions that affect profitability?
0: How are insurers able to find out about the regulatory changes in their particular state?
1: Absolutely. Well, first, they can come to roads. <laughs> we have a, a library of, you know, state rules. We also have a number of relationships with state DOIs and um, other professional associations. I think SILA is another great example. SILA, the Securities and Insurance Licensing Association. It's a wonderful uh, avenue where regulators and industry get together, you know, to talk about PATHs. And again, at your state DOIs. But I think these are some of the various avenues that people can find out about how regulatory rules are changing. Alistair,
0: a pleasure speaking with you today. John,
1: a pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much.
0: That was Alistair Yu, Senior Vice President of Operation at Rhodes. And I'm John Weber for I Am Best TV.